You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunkin' with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan side of network. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hopefully you're having a great week so far today. It is all about Wolves Big Board 3.0, talking about three prospects today, number 17, 18, and 19 on my big board. And uh, just a couple of really quick notes off the top. I'll play a couple of excerpts, uh, at least one excerpt by uh, by Chad Ford um, today. Of course, he'll be on uh, plenty of our Locked On Draft coverage here in the coming days as well. Uh, before we get to all that, though, a quick reminder here off the top to please subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you prefer to get your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves. That's at Locked on T-Wolves. Don't forget the T. Also, remember, we are a Monday through Friday daily show, so we'll be back, of course, uh, tomorrow as well. So uh, if you're not subscribed and don't listen on a regular basis, uh, what are you waiting for? Go ahead and subscribe and, and uh, get all the draft coverage here over the next several days. And then, of course, we're, what, eight days out from the draft, finally. Um, so we'll have plenty of coverage in the wake of the draft as well. Um, all right. So I guess the one piece of news that we, we have to talk about is that there is officially an agreement that was reached, uh, I guess, in the overnight hours, Monday to Tuesday on the NBA. The NBA is officially going to come back on December 22nd for a 72 game season. So of course, 10 games less than usual. Free agency will begin on November 22nd. So mark your calendars. That is 12 days from right now. So what, four days after the NBA draft, and uh, which I guess isn't all that different from the typical late June draft, July 1st free agency. Uh, it's, it's pretty similar. And I would assume the moratorium on trades then will be lifted here in the coming days as well. Uh, but I'll read a couple of the high points here from the NBA's uh, statement press release, I guess, that's on NBA.com from overnight Monday to Tuesday. 72-game um, schedule. Negotiations with free agents start at 6 p.m. on November 20th. So that's the uh, the legal tampering period, if you will, or as the NFL calls that sort of a period. Signings can begin happening on the 22nd. So two days after the draft, almost exactly, well, yeah, exactly 48 hours after the draft takes place, the teams may begin talking to free agents officially and then begin signing them at uh, noon, effectively, on the 22nd, which um, the draft's on a Wednesday this year, so I guess that's a Sunday at noon, which is strange. Um, they uh, The draft is the 18th. It doesn't mention the trade moratorium here, uh, but it's got to be before the draft. Training camps will start December 1st, so you've got free agency nine days before training camps open, which is just incredible. To think that I mean, sure, I you know I'm not naive to think that teams haven't already talked to some players, and some of those conversations have, you know, I, I don't know how much movement there will really be in free agency, but how quickly these things could happen, and guys will need to get acclimated to new cities. It'd almost be like the trade deadline and free agency rolled into one is is I think the best way to look at it, and the draft for that matter, all within a span of ten to. 15 days. Um, salary cap will un, will not change. The cap for the following year, the 21-22 season, will rise somewhere between 3 and 10%. So that is significant. And uh, there is uh, going to be um, some sort of, I mean, obviously the protocols for COVID are going to have to be released at some point. There were no positives, of course, in the NBA bubble because of it was a bubble. So they, they had extremely strict protocols. But um, how is this going to look? Obviously the NFL has had really kind of throughout the year has dodged, you know, moved a couple of games, lost bye weeks here and there. Baseball had some issues really early on, but it really kind of pulled it together towards the end. So 
unclear to, you know, how this is going to go. Um, but for the, uh, for the eight teams that didn't go to the bubble, um, you know, they're, they're going to, they're going to finally get to play on December 1st, which is what, almost nine months after they shut down last early March. So, um, good that this is announced. We can now put that on the calendars, uh, you know, knock on wood, everything is set here for the coming weeks after we've moved the NBA draft date, I think twice now from June to TBD to October to November 18th. And, uh, you know, things should, uh, things should all come together here in the coming weeks. So great news. All right, let's move right into the big board. Um, actually, eh, one other note, the, uh, the low post podcast over at ESPN, Zach Lowe does an outstanding job. And he had, uh, a couple of folks from the, uh, NBA, the draft side, uh, at ESPN on the podcast. And that's Jonathan Gavoni, who's awesome. Used to be a uh, draft express. Actually, that's still his Twitter handle is draft express. And then also, um, Mike Schmidt, who did a number of uh, video player, uh, scouting profiles, I guess, along with the players, vi- film sessions with prospects for this year's draft. They were on the podcast. Full disclosure. I have not finished listening to it yet. I've listened to roughly half of it. I will say in the first portion of the pod, and I believe this posted on Monday, um, Gavoni makes the comment, uh, and this is actually an exact quote. Um, he says, if you talk to the teams in the top 10, they're very excited about LaMelo Ball. I'm hearing some of the offers being made to Minnesota and they're pretty good is what he said, um, end quote. Um, so, I mean, that kind of flies in the face of the other stuff we've been hearing in the chatter. I think, uh, I think, uh, there's been a number of reports that suggest that the Wolves are having a tough time finding value in this pick, but I, I mean, Gavoni kind of makes the point that I've said all along, all it takes is one. And both Gavoni and Schmidt in the, in the first part of this podcast are very high on the middle ball. They think he is a clear cut number one prospect, maybe not as far ahead of the other prospects to say Zion Williamson was a year ago, year plus ago now. Um, but if they think he's the clear number one pick, all it takes is one team to say, you know what, you know, if it's Charlotte giving up PJ Washington or, or Bridges or somebody to move up from three to one and the wolves get the three plus a player. If it's the bulls who want to outbid Charlotte to get to one, if there's one team or really two teams, ideally who fall in love with the prospect and most likely the mobile ball, then the wolves can still get some value for this pick. And so there's an argument that they make that that ball and Russell can coexist on the Timberwolves. And I concur with that argument. I I've said it all along. I think that the fit actually works offensively as long as the ball develops a little bit in terms of shooting, but D'Angelo Russell's so good off the catch as a shooter. And it was really good off the ball in Brooklyn uh, when he made the all-star team and they went to the playoffs and he played a little bit with Spencer Dinwiddie among other guards. And um, I think a Russell ball backcourt is super dynamic and there's enough shooting on the floor elsewhere between towns and Russell and whoever else they fill out the lineup with defensively is an issue, but no matter who you take at number one, if it's Anthony Edwards, you have the same issue. If it's James Wiseman, you have a different issue, but there's still a defensive issue. If you trade back and you take somebody who's a little bit of a better defender, maybe that's the best case scenario. I mean, if you take Obi Toppin, you've got the defensive issue. So what do you want to do? Do you want to take Devin Vassell first? Do you want to take, um, you know, Tyrese Halberton's got defensive issues a little bit as well. You're not going to take him first. So if you can't find a good trade back, then the mellow ball is the pick at number one. And uh, I, I appreciate hearing both Mike Schmidt and uh, Jonathan Gavoni say that on the Low Post podcast with Zach Lowe. All right. Now what we'll do next is we will talk, still going to do three players today on the, the big board 3.0. So we're going to get to that here in a second. Before we do that though, let's talk about our outstanding friends at built go. 
Built Go is the best workout gel on the market, hands down, bar none, no matter what you're doing. It's not for just for workouts. It's for everyday energy. It's like drinking a five-hour energy, but without a crash feeling. It's like drinking a monster without a third of the caffeine and better results. You're rushing from work to your workout to picking up the kids to bringing the kids to t-ball or basketball practice or whatever. This is what you need to help break through your mental or physical wall. It's easy to take in one and a half ounce packages. You can throw it in your briefcase, your golf bag, your pocket, whatever. Um, and and Built Go is just unbelievably delicious as well. Peanut butter, honey flavor, chocolate coconut flavor, and chocolate mint flavor. Pick from your from those three for your favorite flavor. Combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into your system fast and it's easy on the stomach. There's all kinds of other great things in there. Beta alanine, vitamin B3, honey, a kick of caffeine. Visit bilco.com, use promo code LOCKED. You'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at bilco.com. Let's go. All right, let's jump back into the big board. I will quickly run through the top 16 players so far. We are actually at 17, which is, of course, where the Wolves hold their second pick in this draft. But I'll run through the first 16 if you've missed any of the episodes um, in order. And remember, this is my big board as if I were in the Wolves front office, not my big board from, you know, in a vacuum who I think the best players are necessarily in this order. There's a little bit of shifting around. Um, You'll notice like where I have James Wiseman ranked and some other guys who I think are good fits, but not great fits with the Timberwolves. And and that's why the board looks like it does. So here we go. Number one is LaMelo Ball. Number two, Killian Hayes. Number three, Anthony Edwards. Four, Tyrese Halberton. Devin Vassell is five. Obi Toppin from Dayton is six. Patrick Williams out of Florida State, seven. Sadiq Bey is eight. Isaac Okoru at nine. Onyeku Kongwa out of USC is at 10. James Wiseman, 11. Aaron Nesmith, 12. Kyra Lewis Jr. from Alabama is number 13. Denis Avdia is number 14. Josh Green out of Arizona, 15. And then Alexei Pokasevsky, the European seven-footer, at 16. All right, now let's talk 17, 18, and 19. Number 17 is Minneapolis native and former Stanford Cardinal Tyrell Terry. He has been a fast riser really across the board for mock drafts and also my big board. He was number 19 in my initial big board. I slid him up to 17 last time around, and now this time around he is at, uh, well, I guess he's at 17 again. I I thought about having him a little bit higher, but ultimately I, I have enough concerns defensively, and I'll get into that in a second, that I left him here at 17. Also, I think that uh, if the Wolves take Lamella Ball number one, and I, I think that that's very likely, then there's less of a need for another point guard when you've got Ball, D'Angelo Russell, quite possibly Jordan McLaughlin. Um, it's just not necessary to, to draft a second point guard unless you're, uh, unless you're David Kahn, I guess. But um, Tyrell Terry is a really intriguing prospect. He's got every bit as much shooting ability, in my opinion, as a guy like Trey Young. I, I really think that. I think he can be every bit as efficient. Maybe he's even a little bit of a better shooter, maybe not quite the range, but impressive range. And um, good feel, extremely smart. Uh, there's a lot of reports that teams have just been wowed by his interview uh, prowess and, and how intelligent he is from a basketball IQ perspective, if you will. Um, he's a pretty okay defender for his size, although the biggest concern is um, he does have defensive lapses. He doesn't he doesn't guard pick and rolls very well, which is obviously a knock on D'Angelo Russell, the Timberwolves incumbent point guard, and is key in today's NBA, maybe more than ever. Um, and that's a concern for how smart he is and how you know intelligent he is. He sh- he does make 
he has these lapses defensively that are a major issue. And that's the biggest issue for me. Um, in terms of his size, he was listed as 6'1 last year, and, and there's reports that he's a legit 6'3 in shoes now, um, and he was only 160 pounds last year. Uh, there's word that he's gained some significant weight, and if he's like 6'3, 185, 190, that's a big difference from 6'1, 160, and uh, if he can withstand the wear and tear of an NBA season and find a way to be decent defensively, you're looking at a guy who could be an impressive, really a starter in this league and not simply like, you know, a microwave off the bench who's coming in to knock down some threes. He shot 41%, just under 41% last year on threes at Stanford, 89% free throw shooting. He was 48% on catch and shoot threes. So even off the ball, if D'Angelo Russell, say he played with D'Angelo Russell, Russell runs the offense some of the time, but Terry catch and shoot, if he can get his shot off at the NBA level, almost 50%. And he actually shot 61% at the basket in the half-court offense, taking out transition buckets. And that's not bad for his size. He's crafty. He's smart. He can use the rim to protect his shot. He knows how to to get the ball around um, around defenders. He's a good athlete. He's not a great athlete, but he's good enough um, that I actually think he'll be a, he'll be a really good NBA player. I really do think that. And frankly, he'd be higher on my list if I didn't also think the Wolves were going to take Lamella Ball first. If the Wolves don't take ball first, then Terry's a legit option at number 17. He's someone who could really go anywhere um, in the middle of this draft. And actually, uh, I guess to uh, to back that point up, I'm going to play a clip from Chad Ford, of course, from Chad Ford's big board and uh, a big piece of our Locked On Draft coverage over the next week plus here. Um, he's got a clip about Terry, talks about his range, and I believe he actually has him at going at 17 to, uh, well, I guess 17 on his big board, not necessarily 17 to the Timberwolves, um, but in, uh, you know, in that same range on his big board as well. Uh, the point guard out of Stanford has put on a bunch of muscle. I mean, this is a common theme that you hear uh, every draft is that their trainer has buffed them up and they're 20 pounds, 30 pounds stronger than they were before. Why this matters for Terry is that his general lack of size and strength were two things that were really hurting him in the draft. Teams really wanted him to return to Stanford for his sophomore season. Terry determined to come out by all accounts has worked on his body and, and his strength. And you, it's hard to deny the numbers that he put up as a shooter, uh, his free throw uh, ability, and the just the fact that you know when you think about Terry's range and his ability to get his shot off anywhere, um, you're talking about a, a prospect that's going to be intriguing to NBA teams. I he's all over the place. I didn't really even know where to place him on this board. He's a very strange prod prospect and that some teams really see the potential there and are willing to like stretch in the lottery uh, for him. And some teams are really not convinced at all that Terry's going to be much of an NBA player. I think I kind of like him. Uh, I I've got him at 17. I'll say that sort of splits the difference in a certain way, but you know, that's where I've got him. Yeah. So Chad Ford has Tyrell Terry going 17 and uh, that makes a, a lot of sense that that range, he could go as early as late lottery. He could slide into the twenties, but if he's really put on this weight and I saw a report today, I can't remember where I saw it, but that he's interviewed with virtually all 30 teams because 
he, I mean, nobody knows where he's going to go. And the upside of somebody who could who could shoot the ball like Trey Young, um, you know, but the the floor of somebody who maybe can't get a shot off at the NBA level and is too small and not a good enough defender, you know, you're looking at a at a third string point guard maybe with a little bit of upside. Nobody really knows, um, and so that's where I've that's why I've got him 17 on my big board. I think if the Wolves don't take ball, he's somebody they should certainly look at in the latter stages of this draft. All right, next up, let's talk about 18 and 19 on my board. We'll do them both in the next segment and then open on Wednesday's show with number 20. Okay, number 18 on my big board. We just did 17, Tyrell Terry out of Stanford. Number 18 is RJ Hampton. I am not the biggest, full disclosure, not the biggest RJ Hampton fan, and I'll tell you why here in a moment. The, the pros for him, and, and he's bounced around kind of in the same range. I think he's gone from 17 to 15 and now back down to 18 on my big board. Um, his biggest calling card is athleticism. And uh, to me, there isn't a lot else that's all that impressive about him right now. He's 6'5 with a 6'7 wingspan. So he's he, he's really the prototypical size for a, for a two guard in today's NBA. He's really quick. He's got a good first step. He has good feel in the pick and roll. He, in theory, is a good defender simply because he's athletic and he has good size. Um, And so you can clearly see his potential to be a two guard that could handle the ball, maybe shoot the ball a little bit, uh, not as a primary ball handler, but be a really good secondary ball handler, be a good cutter with, with the size and athleticism dynamic in the open floor. The upside here is, is, um, it's impressive. I mean, honestly, as a prospect, he reminds me a little bit of more of a, of a, you know, and I want to be careful because this isn't apples to apples, but a, a worse shooting Zach Levine. I mean, Zach Levine, everybody knew he could kind of shoot coming out of college, UCLA. I remember he didn't even start at UCLA. He had more of that point guard skill set. Hampton's more of a, of a, you know, Levine was a two that could play the one. Hampton's more of a two that could play the three in today's NBA. He doesn't have the handle of Zach Levine at this stage, but he's got that bounciness. He's got good size for the role he's going to play. He's got that upside where you can say, okay, I could see this guy scoring 20 points a game in just a couple of years, but he's only 19 years old. It's going to take a couple of years, and he doesn't have the shot at this stage in his career to to really back that up and give him a floor that's palatable for a team that wants to plug him into a rotation in the NBA. Um his jumper looks good, but it's not consistent. He, uh, his form isn't quite, it's, you know, it's a little all over the place. Like it looks good if you see it in one clip and then you see it in another clip and it's, it's just not super consistent. And he didn't shoot the ball well from the outside. He was only a 68% free throw shooter, which isn't a great sign. If he was in 90, you know, 85% free throw shooter, make you feel a little bit better about his, uh, moving forward. Now it was a fairly small sample. I think it was like 30 free throw attempts, but still, um, he can finish well at the rim, which is great, but he's not super strong yet. So you're looking at a, at a guy who's really a kid. I mean, at 19 years old with a lot of upside, but it's dependent on him building out his strength more and developing a jumper. And to me, there's too many layers there. He doesn't have a calling card outside of athleticism and decent size. There's too many layers that he must improve at to have him any higher on my board. I wouldn't be enthused if the Wolves took him at 17. Um, but if there's some teams, you know, between the late lottery and 17 that, that might be looking at, hey, should we take this guy and, you know, develop him? I mean, it sounds weird, again, because the Wolves were the third worst team in the league last year, but they're not really in a place to take a project at this point in the draft. Maybe a team like, uh, I don't know, the Knicks, um, you know, if they end up trading back, perhaps they could target him, um, you know, to one of those, maybe a Celtics pick in the mid to late uh, uh, first round. Um I mean, there's other teams around, you know, Orlando, I know was a, was a 
came on strong at the end of the year last year, but maybe he's a player that goes there. Maybe Sacramento reaches for him at 12. I think it's more likely he falls past Minnesota. I don't see him being somebody the Timberwolves would be all too enthused about taking either. Um, so, uh, I just, I would pass on him for those concerns, but I also acknowledge that he does have incredible upside. And, and, you know, at this part in the draft, the same reason I'd argue that Alexei Pokasevsky should be a little bit higher in a draft like this, perhaps you take a swing depending on where you're at as an organization. I just don't think he's a great player to take a swing on. In my opinion, his upside is maybe, um, you know, an athletic kind of a six man type, like a bigger Will Barton, you know, something like that. You could maybe see, uh, from him coming off the bench. But, uh, for me, he just doesn't quite, quite do it for me. All right. Number 19, the last player we'll cover today. Actually, even though I haven't ranked behind Hampton, I actually kind of like him as a prospect more. I just don't think his fit with the Wolves makes a lot of sense. And that's Tyrese Maxey, who is being mocked as high as like the neighborhood of the 10th pick in the draft at this point. Um, I think I I had him all the way up at 12 in 1.0 on my big board. I have him down at 19 this time around. And again, a lot of this has to do with fit with the Timberwolves, especially if the Wolves take ball at number one. You don't need another guy who's primarily going to be a point guard. Now, Maxi has good size. He's 6'3 with a 6'6 wingspan. And so, I mean, there's there's a lot to be said. Yeah, perhaps he could share the backcourt with a 6'4, 6'5 guard like D'Angelo Russell or a 6'7 LaMelo Ball, for instance. Um and the, what you like about Maxi is he's such a good defender and he plays really hard. And that's exactly what you need out of, say, a backup point guard. Come in and play hard 18, 20 minutes a game, maybe play a few minutes with your starting point guard. Um, you know, guard the best backcourt player or the best point guard, I guess, on the on the opposing team. Play hard for your 20 minutes or whatever. And, you know, score a little bit in the open floor, make some good passes, operate the pick and roll. Um, Maxi can do all of those things. But the only thing that he's clearly above average on outside of his length uh, and and the fact that he plays really hard is defensively. He's a really good defender and that matters. Um, You could even say, I I wouldn't say he's elite yet at NBA level, but he's one of the better defensive uh, players um, in terms of point guards and guards overall in this draft. Um, He only shot 32% on jump shots at Kentucky. And so that's a little bit of a concern, actually a pretty large concern. There's reason to think that he's going to improve. He's got a little bit of a low release, but, but is, uh, you know, if he can tweak that a little bit, he should be a good shooter. He's got decent touch in the paint and around the rim. And so that implies that he could, he could figure out the jumper a little bit. And if he can do that, a six, three point guard with a six, six wingspan and an above average defender plays hard. That's a borderline starter in this league. And so I think that's what you're looking at is a guy who's got kind of a compressed floor and ceiling. He probably could come in and be a solid backup almost immediately if he can develop a little bit offensively. Um, but he's got a ceiling as maybe kind of a mid-level starter. I, it's tough for me to see him developing into a star uh, because of some of the, uh, the athletic limitations. He's an okay athlete, but he doesn't have, uh, he's not super quick. He doesn't have a great first step. And my biggest concern with him is actually he's just okay in the pick and roll. And as a passer, he makes some, some bad turnovers, bad, bad decisions that lead to bad turnovers. Um, and that's a concern if you're going to, you know, plug a guy in and say runner offense as a, what is he, as a 19 and a half, almost 20 year old. Um, so those are my main concerns with Maxi. I think he's, I think he's a fine prospect. If the wolves were to trade back and say, they don't take ball at one, say they get Edwards at three or take Edwards at one and trade back in the draft and Maxi's on the board. And, uh, you don't, you're not sold on Jordan McLaughlin. You know, I like Tyrell Terry more. I've got Tyrell Terry. We talked about him earlier on the show today. Got him ranked higher. I've got Kyra Lewis ranked higher. I'd prefer those guys to Tyrese Maxi, but 
I mean, Maxi's probably for me, if you're looking at the guys who aren't going to go in the top 10, you know, he's probably the third best point guard in the rest of the draft. And, um, and there's some real, there's a, a decent floor there because of his ability defensively. And that's why I have him where I do. All right. That's the top 19 on big board 3.0. We will continue on uh, the big board 3.0 on Wednesday. I will note that uh, Jonathan Gavoni said on the Zach Lowe podcast that he would have his next mock draft, which he hasn't released one since the uh, draft lottery, which is somehow now like nine or 10 weeks ago to almost two and a half months. Um, He will have a mock draft on Wednesday. So we'll talk about that. Maybe hit a couple players, probably 20 and 21 on the big board um, on Wednesday's show. So that's all we have for you today. Thanks once again for listening to the Locked on Wolves podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked on Network is your local experts on the big biggest stories. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves. That's at Locked on T-Wolves. Don't forget the T. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.